Recorded live. Welcome, welcome everyone to our Friday night Bible study on TalkShoe. Glad to have you folks there tonight in the chat room. Appreciate you taking taking the time out to be here with us tonight. How you doing, Brother David? Doing great, Pastor. Amen. Looking forward to tonight. Amen, brother. Amen. We're going to wing it a little bit tonight. And uh, like I said before the program started, anybody with any questions, feel free to type them in or call in if you want to add to the conversation that we're going to have tonight about America from New Jerusalem to Babylon is what the topic will be about tonight. Anyway, Brother David, if you would, open us in a word of prayer, brother. Certainly. Lord Jesus, we come to you tonight, and we come to you with a desire to see you exalted, to see you lifted up. We thank you for what you did for us, for the shed blood that redeems us and restores us to you and cleanses us. We pray tonight at this time that we would be cleansed from our sins, from any known sin or unknown sin. We pray for your Holy Spirit to speak through your word to us. We pray for Pastor Don that you'd fill him with the Spirit of God to teach, to exhort, to comfort, to encourage, to exhort us to take a new path, the paths of righteousness, Jesus, I pray for Caleb that he'd have peace right now and be at rest and that you would even teach him at this time. I pray for Jody that she would be healed from this bone cancer, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I pray that all the downloaders and people in the chat room would be ministered to this evening or whenever they listen to this teaching in the name of Jesus by the Holy Spirit, so be it. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, folks. Proverbs chapter 14. Brother David, if you would read verse 34. Certainly. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Well, folks, I've been over this so many times before about the ups and downs of God's people. And it's just a fact. From every direct, any direction you want to come from, it's always Pinnacle Valley, Pinnacle Valley. And I give the exceptions before for a certain period of time under Solomon. 
there was um, there was a period of peace, and same thing here in the United States. And like I said, you could argue Great Britain. But the white Israelite nations get to a peak, and then degeneration comes. And the degeneration that's come here in the United States has came fast and furious. And in times past and programs before, I've ran a timeline back to 1948, dealing with um, that Israeli state over there, but we can take the timeline further back. America was founded on Christian principles. Great Britain, the Magna Carta, right out of the Law of Moses, actually. And the, and the same way here with the Constitution and Bill of Rights. It has biblical principles and started off wonderful. Started off as a Bible-believing nation. The Puritans came over here to leave the oppression overseas and to start. They called it the New Jerusalem. That's what uh, I think it was Rogers that called America the New Jerusalem. And they accepted this country as being the prophecy fulfilled of Second Samuel 7.10, where the Lord said he would take his people out from where they were when David was sitting on the throne and put them in a different land. Now, you can make that uh, America, or you could make it every white Christian nation. You could lump them all together. But there's one thing that no one can argue with. There's never been in the history of the world a regathering of white Israelite people like there was here in America. The regathering from all over Europe here in America. That was the largest regathering ever ever that it's ever taken place. And Pastor Pete Peters used to talk about it all the time. And he had a good point about this being the spiritual New Jerusalem. And as long as America stood by the book, as long as they upheld the laws of God and incorporated them into our government, to as good a degree as you could, folks, know by there will be no, there will be no, by the letter, laws adhered to, to the umpteenth degree till the Lord comes back. That's when the true government is going to come in. And it's going to be with a rod of iron. Now, Canada, I don't know all that much about Canada, Brother David. Have you got anything you want to talk about Canada? Yeah, it's pretty much the same up here in Canada. But we were under the British Commonwealth, under the Queen, under Great Britain. So there was um, strong uh, Presbyterian uh, Church of England, but also Catholicism. Uh, the laws are pretty much uh, identical to the United States. We didn't have the same constitution, something similar, but not quite the same. And, uh, I mean, we, when I was a boy, we said the Our Father before we started school every day, even in high school. Mm-hmm. We had the Ten Commandments posted, that sort of thing. So did we. And then it's all been taken out. That's exactly right. That's the same way it was. It's the way it was down here. We used to start the morning in first grade. I'll never will forget it. We'd start the morning with uh, the Lord's Prayer, and uh, we'd pledge allegiance to the 
to Al- the Alabama flag first, <laughs> and then the national, then the national flag. Yeah, we, we said God, God save the queen. Oh, we, how about, <laughs> God save the queen? Okay, well I don't know anything about that, but uh, Amen. I understand. Well, folks, the after the Civil War here in the United States, well, it's not the Civil War after the War of Northern Aggression in the 1800s. There was a whenever that split took place and that war happened, the next thing on the timeline agenda was the trans the translation debacle of the revised version in 1881. And from that time forward, from 18, you can say what you want to, turn back, flip, try to argue it, but you can't argue it historically. You can run it back and check it out. If you think I'm lying, go check it out. When God, when our people, when our people started turning their back on the book God blessed, then everything started going downhill. And it's been that way ever since. And I don't see why anybody could look around them today how do you like your blessings now? Like I said the other night. I mean, it's not just 1948 when the Israeli nation started, but before then, it started downhill. This country started downhill. And you can trace, you can run a timeline on it and check it out yourself. If you think I'm making it up, I'm not making it up by any stretch of the imagination. Like I said the other night, from the greatest lender nation in the world to the greatest debtor nation in the world. And you can look at the prison systems, the same thing. You can look at, you can just check, you can just chart the degeneration. But while we were righteous, while this, this country, the righteous preaching was going on across this country, we were looked upon as a beacon to the world. And now we're the most. We're the great Satan of the world. And everybody sits in their sealed houses and thinks, most most people just think everything's the same. They go about their jobs. They think, oh, it's financial trouble. You know, it's a little bit, it's going to get better. I don't think it's going to get better myself. Oh, you're pessimistic. Yeah, I'm pessimistic because the word of God is pessimistic. Turn to Revelation chapter on. 17, Brother David, while I'm talking. Okay. From a, from a righteous nation, Great Britain, once the sun never set on the British Empire, what are they today? Oh, I know about the Rothschild Bank, the Jewish Bank. I know all about that. All right? But it, no weapons. Been, the people in Great Britain has been disarmed, been neutered, politically correct. And it's it's a shame. And the uh, and the other yes, Uh, up up here, for example, there were absolutely no colored people whatsoever when I was a boy. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing my first black man when I was about nine or ten years old. I went to the Canadian National Exhibition in Toronto with my parents, and I seen my first black man. There was hardly any, but there was one, and I remember pointing at this guy and my mom, and I was, like, so, like, startled, shocked, <laughs> like, there's a black man. And my mom said, don't point, don't point. 
But, like, there wasn't any Chinese, there wasn't any Koreans, there wasn't any Orientals, there wasn't any blacks, there wasn't e any East Indians or anything. It was just white Anglo-Saxon people, that's all. Amen. And now, they're all over the place. How can it change so fast? That's, um, that, brother, it, I, never saw, I never went to school with anything but my people until I was a junior in high school. They, the the South fought fought against the integration thing to the very to the bitter end. And uh, when I was a junior in high school, I went to I went to school with the first black person that um, that I ever went to school with. It was it was pure Caucasian until I was a junior in high school. And when they came in, they just kept on coming in, and it's been that way ever since. There's still a there's still strong strong segregation down here in communities in the South. Now you get around Birmingham and Atlanta and big cities and it's just conglomerated everywhere. But out in the country and out in certain places in the South, they're still as segregated as they can be. There's churches that you wouldn't you wouldn't see a black person darken the doors of the, some of the churches down here. It's still that way in a lot of places in the South. Yes. And Brother Kevin can attest to that as well. It's uh, it's the cities, folks. It It's not so much the Yankee and Southerner as it is the city folks and country folks. There's something about country living that gives and you the people right. people used to honor the Sabbath. Like on Sunday, everything was shut down, you know. Yeah, no stores open and all that. Then, Only you know, the odd restaurant would be open. That would be it. That's right. They, they call them blue laws down here, brother. Um, I, I remember uh, my grandmother and people cooking meals on Saturday so they wouldn't have to cook on Sunday. Yeah. And, yeah. and they would they would set them on the table and cover it with a sheet. I mean, out in the country, folks. I, that's mm -hmm. a, and everybody would sit around, you know, and rest on Sunday. I remember that right. stuff growing up. And I remember when the first place opened up on Sunday, it was a big deal. I mean, you know, that was progress to some folks. But some of the folks still, they, they didn't want to go along with it. But anyway, yes. such is civilization, folks. Every major culture, what happens? They grow. They expand. They get rich. They, 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 and then all the races come in. The integration starts, and it degenerates, and... What can you say? I would. I wish somebody would show me the, the exception that proves the rule on this one. The only exception there's going to be is the government, is the thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus Christ. But let's let's turn to um, let's go to Revelation chapter 17 and see some of the stuff that this Babylonian system does in every white Christian nation on this earth. And as far as that goes, in all the nations, but specifically, we're only interested in our nations. So, Revelation chapter 17, Brother David, if you would, just start reading at verse 1. Let me get there okay. real quick. Oh, let's see. And read about this system. And, folks, listen, before we get down through here, I understand the cat, the, the, um, that the way this looks, the city on seven hills, the Vatican, I understand the Catholic part of all this. There's no doubt that the religious system that's going to be incorporated and is being incorporated now is Catholicism. 
And the Pope, as a type, he and John, just like John Wesley, Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, all the reformers, they said the Pope is the man of sin. And in type, he is. He sits on the throne. He calls him, he, he says everything that he says is ex cathedra, like God speaking. And on his, on his little Dagon fish hat, it's, uh, it's written in Latin, vicarious philly D. That means speaking ex cathedra in God's stead. Substitute son of God is what vicarious philly D means. Substitute son of God. Claims to be God. And like it says in Thessalonians, He'll sit in the temple of God claiming himself to be God. And it says that in Daniel. So the Pope is a type of that man of sin. But anyway, let's read uh, Revelation 17 and see about some of this stuff. From this system and from New York City, people try to say, oh, Babylon, that's, that's, that's New York or that's America. Well, in type, absolutely. But as we get further and further along into this thing, I'm sure that it will manifest itself in a bigger way. And unless somebody takes us out, takes us down, I mean, our hegemony all over the, all over the world, we fight, nobody bucks us. Russia hasn't bucked us yet. China hasn't bucked us yet. Are they going to? I don't know. I do know this. America and Canada, in my opinion will be invaded from the north, and right now, that looks like it could be Russia and China. But anyway, Brother Dave, go ahead. Okay, verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will shew unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have made drunk with the wine of her fornication. This is, so, this, is, this is spiritual fornication it's talking about here, and it talks about the kings of the earth that have committed fornication with her. Now, if, if you're not familiar with the, the wealth of the Vatican, you might ought to check on it. Like I said, most, most of our persuasions spend all their time dealing with Palestine and the Jews. All right? They'll never, they, they don't take the time to take you into the, the, the wealth of the Vatican. And I'll recommend a book by Avro Manhattan that was written back in the 80s, and the wealth of the Catholic Church is unbelievable. And the name of the book is... Vatican Billions by Avro Manhattan. Everything's documented. At one time, at the time the book was written, I think the Catholic Church was was um, one of the top three richest entities in the world at the time, and I'm sure it's 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 much larger than that now. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, well, they have thousands of tons of gold stored away, and people don't really know what they're worth. That's correct. That's and exactly. Avril Manhattan, by the way, was also a member of the Pilgrim Society, a secret society. It's yeah. probably one of the top secret societies. People in that are even more involved than, say, the Illuminati. Well, for him to tell the truth like that, that was a big deal, I well, guess. Well, of course. <laughs> well, they're enemies of, of the Catholic Church, uh, Illuminati, Pilgrim Society. Anything to do with Christ or Jesus, even though... The Catholic Church is definitely a whore. 
there's still the gospel being preached there, and now it's even less than it was when I was a boy. But when I was a boy, the gospel was plainly preached, if you listened. Like, there was other stuff involved, too, but if you Jesus listened. was lifted up, you know? <laughs> so they were against... Oh, no, like, if you just wanted to uh, pay attention to the, uh, you know, the traditions, the rituals, and all that. But if you, the Word of God would be in there, but, you know, it was mixed with other things. In other words, if you so took to a flag... If you took a flashlight, you could find it, right? <laughs> well, if the Holy Ghost was uh, dealing with you, you would see it because the Word was there. And I remember as a boy clearly being given the gospel message by the Holy Spirit as a small child in the Catholic Church. So it was there. Now, I imagine it's less today than it was then because more and more of this uh, ritual and all this universalism is being brought more and more and less and less of the scripture. Well, down south, we've never had a Catholic influence down here, period. I mean, you might right. you might find a little Catholic something well, other in a big city. Oh, absolutely, brother. Um, we don't, we've never had that kind of Catholic influence right. down here. And we've always, like I said, we've had the mindset of the reformers, and Catholicism doesn't fly very well down south. Anyway. Oh, that's good. Continue on reading, brother. Okay. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Anybody that, and knows, upon, the, anybody that knows the colors of uh, Catholicism knows that's her colors. Go ahead, brother. Mm-hmm. Amen. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and the abomination of the earth. Okay. It's interesting that it's called the mother of harlots because there's a lot of little harlots called uh, Protestants out there. Oh, absolutely, brother. And, and they're just little daughters coming from the whore. That's correct. That's yep. exactly right. And the more time goes on, now the, the breakaway Protestant denominations are trying to go back to the mother whore. They're all yes, trying to exactly. suck right back up to it again. And mm-hmm. this this mother of harlots, folks, abomination of desolation, ever since the Catholic Church has gotten a stronghold, then they have adopted every single pagan ritual just to get the folks in. That's the way Catholicism operates. They would take They would take some of the pagan... Uh, idols or pagan gods and turn them into saints and yes. make them make them saints. It, 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 you talking about a whore? You talking about selling yourself out? Well, they this, worship Isis. They what? They worship Isis. Oh yeah. They yeah. they uh, you know Venus. Sure. A star. The Asian. goddess Diana. Yeah. Every every bit of it and it all but everything. The Catholic Church teaches can be traced back originally to the worship of Nimrod and Semiramis. Yes. And the book by uh, Dr. Alexander Hislop, The Two Babylons, is by far the, the most definitive work that's ever been written on that. I recommend it highly if you want to know about this whole the Catholic Church. Go ahead, brother. And 
I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Okay, the blood, drunk with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Folks, she owns up to 30 million, killing 30 million during the Dark Ages. They own up to just that many. And if you've ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs or was with us when we played about an hour's worth of it here on the air, you got to hear some of the martyrs. And it, 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 it's just, um, it's unbelievable how people forget so quick. But I can assure you of one thing. If this huzzy ever gets back control, and that's what they're trying to do now, is to have a state religion. That's what she's good at, is, take, is putting forth a state religion. If she ever gets back into control, you can look out for the blood to start flowing again because it's it's in all the the Vatican decrees. I forget uh, exactly which one in the 60s. They haven't changed a bit. If they were able and could get away with it and were in charge at the top again, in in control of of the of the heads completely, you would see the blood flow in the streets again, just like she did during the dark ages. Go ahead, brother. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was, and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Okay. I've made mention of this before, and I understand how the historicists try to claim this and claim that, and in type, they're right. It's like I've said before. They're absolutely correct in pinpointing this in the past. In type. But like I've said many, many times, they do not understand or will not own up to the dual fulfillment of prophecy. And that's, what you're, that's exactly what you're going to see take place. And the more time goes on, the more plain it's going to get. In other words, there's some folks going to have to eat some crow later on if they don't start understanding this and teaching the truth. You know, it's never... I, I, what I don't understand is why... People get so proud and so stuck in one way of thinking that they won't be malleable to the Holy Spirit. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that at the time, whenever it's brought forth, seems like it's rock solid. But you've got to be careful with that stuff because the Lord, the more time goes on. I understand Scripture doesn't change. All right? I understand that. I know God's the same yesterday to death. I understand all that. But I, like I keep saying and keep preaching and teaching, the book is alive. It is just as applicable in doctrine and in spiritual understanding today as it was for Martin Luther and John Calvin. It, it, it lives. 
If it, if it wasn't the living word of the living God, then it would just have been true for a certain period of time, and then oh ho hum, kick back, you know, throw it in the garbage can. It's done, past, It's over with. But folks, that's not the way the Lord works. And to deny that is to shut off revelation from your from your heart and from your spiritual eyes. You have to keep that in mind when studying and going, especially when it comes to prophecy. I'm not this great one about prophecy. You got you got people that. That spend all their time is prophecy this, prophecy that, prophecy this, prophecy that. I said from the very beginning, I, I used to be that way. Years and years ago, I was hung up on the book of Revelation, you know, hung up on the book of Daniel. But as I've seen time pass, and I've seen people make predictions and say this and say that and just have mud in their face and have to eat crow, I'm very careful about that. Therefore, I'm not don't claim to be this great and wonderful prophecy expert. Don't claim to be. The Lord shows me some stuff like he showed me in Ezekiel 40 through 48 in connection with Hebrews. That's, you know, praise the Lord for that. That's if if you want to know prophecy, if you can't get that right, if you don't understand those last eight chapters of Ezekiel in reference to Hebrews, if you can't reconcile that, as far as I'm concerned, your prophecy's on shaky ground. Big time. All these so-called prophecy experts, you'll never hear them mention those chapters at all. They don't touch it. Or they'll, they'll brush it with a big, broad brush. Oh, that's millennium. And I'm not going to go back and reteach all that again, but that's what they'll say and go right on, which, folks, there's more back there the Lord still hadn't showed it all to everybody in those last eight chapters of Ezekiel. Anyway, go ahead, Brother David. Revelation 17:9. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings. Five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. That's the little horn of Daniel, folks. And he was and he is not. He was alive. Listen, if you, this is the literal interpretation of this scripture. He was and he is not. In other words, he was alive once. And he he left the scene, and he's coming back. That's the literal interpretation of it. He was, is not, and shall be. And he goes into perdition. The reference is back to Second Thessalonians chapter two. Now all these horns, these nations, these um, mountains, those are nations, seven nations. There are seven nations, and when we'll, we'll go into all this stuff, and, and Lord willing, when we get into the book of Revelation, and I'll bring up the layout, the historical fulfillments and type typology and show you the open door that's left for future fulfillment in the very near future. That's what the way I'm going to try to teach the book of Revelation, which will be totally contrary to the way I taught it years and years ago, all right? And it'll be contrary 
to weigh 98 to weigh 98 percent of it is taught today. But that's the way we'll try to do the Book of Revelation when we start with it later on. Go ahead, Brother David. Verse 11. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. That is the ten, have, that that's the ten toes of Daniel chapter two, folks. Go ahead. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are within with him are called and chosen and faithful. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples, and multitudes, and nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their ears to fulfill his will. In their hearts. In their hearts, brother, not ears. (laughs) Oh, yeah, sorry. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. You see how awesome the Father is. God is in control, folks. He is the way. It's his will. He puts it in their hearts to fulfill his will. They're actually, they do, no matter how evil they are and what they do, it's all by permission from the Father. And it's all according to his plan. I've went over this many, many times. The plan, once you reconcile in your heart, that no matter how much trouble you go through, no matter what your position is on the grand chessboard, it's the Father's pleasure that you have that position. I've explained many, many times in the past about your free will in this matter. Your free will is given to you as a choice for your training period, your rewards, and your inheritance. And we went back over that ad nauseum in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Go ahead, brother. Verse 18. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. That, That great city, is it Gotham? Is it New York? Is it Rome? What is it? What's it going to be? Is it? Is it London? Is it where the Rothschilds are? Is it Jerusalem? Is it Tel Aviv? You remember where the witnesses get killed? It don't even use the name Jerusalem, but it tells you they get killed 
where our Lord was crucified. He wasn't crucified in New York or in London. He was crucified in Jerusalem. Ah, oh, they can't stand that. They can't get around that one. The historicists can't. They can't deal with that one because nobody's been killed in Jerusalem. No two witnesses. Now, you can spiritualize it, and that's what they love to do, is spiritualize it and just float over it to make all the doctrine fit in the historicist point of view. But as sure as you live and breathe, there's never been a time on this earth ever before up until right now when everybody in the world could see an event happen and it tells you that everyone on the earth will see this event take place. Could you imagine how the reformers handled that? The historicists, they handled it the only way they could. There was no way everybody all over the earth could see anything take place then, so they spiritualized it. I understand why they did what they did. But things have changed. Now you can see something take place over there from any place on the earth, especially if you've got an iPhone, I guess, the way those things work. But that's the way that you have to, a lot of this stuff, like the Lord's going to destroy them that destroy the earth. At the period of time when, it, when uh, the, the historicists founded their, their, their doctrine, there was no way anybody could destroy the earth. Uh-uh. Now there is. can be done in a matter of minutes if the Lord took his hand off and allowed it to take place. Brother David, turn in Revelation. Let's see about um, what this whore does, what she's over. I forget what chapter it's in. Is it 16 where it talks about um, all the things she's into? Uh, you know where it talks about that um the the destruction of Babylon is what I'm talking about, brother. What chapter is that in? I forget. Is it in eighteen? That's where I'm going right now to see. And about the merchants of the earth. And right, 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 right. That's eighteen. Okay, let's go there and see how. This is going to culminate. And folks, you watch this stuff as we go down through this list. And if you're if you're halfway up to par on what's taking place throughout the world, each one of these things ought to come ringing home because we're there. Don't know how much longer this dog's going to be on that trail, but it's going to be they're going to tree a coon for too long. There's not all that much time left, folks, I don't think, in my opinion. What about you, Brother David? I don't think so either with how they're able to rewrite DNA and all these chimera and all this stuff they're doing and the race mixing that's going on, the universalism being totally accepted by the white Israelite nations. I can't see if God doesn't come soon, uh, another generation, we might all be gone. It makes, it whenever the Lord said... If he didn't cut it short, there'd be no flesh left alive. That comes ringing home now, doesn't it? Yes. It's very pertinent today. Big time. Big time. So let's read chapter 18, brother. 18, verse 1. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having 
great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. All nations have drank, have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Haven't left any of them out. They're all bought in, all bought in to the deception, to the fornication. Go ahead, brother. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Okay, folks. This goes right back to First John chapter 2, and what you hear me screaming all the time, and right to Romans chapter 12. Come out of her, my people. How do you do that? Is it talking about coming out of a physical place? Is it talking about that? I don't think so. It's talking about disassociation with the world system, folks, if you want to broad brush it. The world system, you could you could say the whole world system was Babylon for that for that matter. The way Brother Dave was talking about how everybody's bought in. Now, how the, all the race mixing is pre, it's every it's accepted. It's political correctness. You can't call a fag a fag. Y'all call them gay. Folks, there's nothing gay about a stinking queer. All right? Once you start buying in, see how that's been incorporated a little bit at the time, like cooking the frog, little heat, turn up the water a little bit, little bit, little bit, and it's boiling and the frog just sits there. The same way with words, the power of words, folks. That's You can take the power of words in society, off of television, and the W-O-R-D-S, you could take them right back to the book. Once you start messing with the words, you're headed on a downhill slope. Same way in society. You change the words, make the words mean something different. And after a while, everybody just accepts it. No, no, no. Don't accept it. Once you start accepting, you're, you're probably thinking, oh, oh well, what, what, what does he mean? What, what's wrong with saying gay? Well, number one, you've bought into what the world says. There's nothing gay about a faggot. They're homosexual perverts. All right? That's what they are. A whore is a whore, not a lady of the night. All right? A drunkard is a drunkard, not somebody with a problem with alcohol or abuser of alcohol. You see, just little changes in the words. After a while, it gives you a total mindset change in your mind of the way you look at things. Last program, I brought up something about how the degeneration of purity has taken place. I talked about how... In one movie, back when I was a kid, when um, 
Butler said, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. That one word, damn. It was a big deal. My parents covered my ears. And now you, you folks listen to trash on a daily basis. Filth that comes over that boob tube. And a lot of people that claim the name of Christ can't even control their own mouth. Folks, I remember when if you heard somebody say anything in public, I mean, they were either sought drunk and the law got them and took them to jail, took, took them to jail, I'm talking about, because of public indecency. Now they sit around in restaurants and talk Jewish nigger filth like it's nothing. That's and it was uh, against the law to be a sodomite. Absolutely, brother. And I, I could tell some stories right now, but the law might come get me about what we used to do to those queers. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So I won't go into no details. We treated them like what they were. So they come out of the closet now. Yeah, come out of the closet and dragging young kids right in with them. And out in California, they're teaching alternative lifestyles. Lifestyle, I hate that word. Yeah, the both the heterosexual way and the homosexual way, like it's a choice. And it's acceptable. They come out from among them, come out from her, my people. The furthest you can get away from this system, folks, in mind, in spirit, the better off you are. In physicality, the country would be the best place to be away from it. Well, you got to do so-and-so to live. Folks, you choose the way you want to live, all right? You can live on a lesser degree and live a cleaner life if you pull away from that stuff. Yeah, but my family's... Well, my God... In your family's best interest, what you're responsible for? Doesn't the scripture say that if a man doesn't provide for his own house, he's worse than an infidel? That's not just talking about making money, folks. That's talking about teaching them, raising them in the right way, raising kids in the right way. Purity, 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 righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness exalteth a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. Look around. How you like it? Well, it's just got it's going it's going to come. Yeah, it's going to come. It's impossible. Offenses are going to come, the Lord said. <laughs> Here I go again. Quoting the same verse. It's impossible, but offenses are going to come but woe to the man to whom they come. Purge yourself from all that stuff. Come out from Babylon. Well, that's mean uprooting. Right, folks, there, you're going, it's hate. You're going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and answer those questions when the Lord says, why didn't you do so and so? And I can see the excuses coming now. Guess what? Before the creator of the universe, you don't stand the snowballs chance in hell with your excuses 
once you've been enlightened to the truth. See, people don't want to talk about this kind of stuff. Or they want to deal with the Jew, Jew, Jew. Or something else that's totally, totally off to the side. Totally out of the way. How to live a prosperous life. How to make more money. How to get along with everybody. How to smile. Instead of personal purity and personal righteousness that's going to have an effect on your inheritance and your rewards. Folks, there's going to be a lot of folks naked as a blue jay. And we've went through that before, that suffering loss. We've went through it before. And I just, one of the brothers the other day was telling me that he heard um, Brother Charles Stanley talking about that very thing, the suffering loss. And even Brother Stanley plays it down to a certain degree. But it was through Charles Stanley that the Lord started dealing with me about that some 20-something years ago. And I started studying that one subject about 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and suffering loss and started running references on it and tying it in with the inheritance and rewards and understanding the gospel slant on it about the stewards and the stripes and all that stuff. And the Lord tied it together. Folks, we ain't coming out scot-free at the judgment seat of Christ. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you've been taught. Your inheritance is not rock solid. Think I'm kidding? Turn to Romans chapter 8. Brother um, David, turn to Romans chapter 8. I'll take you somewhere I haven't even taken you before. Dealing with this one subject here. Come out of Babylon. Well, that means so-and-so. Okay, let's see what the Apostle Paul had to say about that. Before we leave Revelations 18.4, I just wanted to point one thing out to everyone, and and it has to do with um, what we were talking about in Deuteronomy. Uh Uh-huh. And we were talking about how the curses are going to come upon the Israelites as they move away from God's Mm -hmm. laws and of living a, a pure life. And it says, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Amen, brother. So all those plagues, all that cursing, you can you can escape from it to a certain degree. And there's an answer right here to us who were wondering about those things, how we're going to be able to keep ourselves from all of that grief that's going to come on our brother's Israelites, if if we live a pure, holy life, if we come out and don't partake of their way of life, we will be sheltered to a certain degree. Amen, brother. Okay, Romans chapter 8. Yeah, Romans chapter 8. Just start Mm -hmm. reading at verse uh, 7, brother. Okay. And I'll show you a little slim verse that nobody pays any attention to. Dealing with inheritance. And reigning with the Lord. Go ahead, brother. Verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that 
the Spirit of God dwell in you. You see, folks, you've got to get the Spirit. You've got to have the Spirit has to be in a person. Is there's no guarantee and no automatic nothing. All right. <laughs> Contrary to the false teachers. Go ahead, brother. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If you don't have the Spirit, you can't be led by the Spirit. So if you don't have the Spirit, I don't care what color you, I don't care if you're as white as vanilla ice cream. Without the Spirit, you're nothing. Period. That's not my opinion. That's what the book says. Contrary to Man. the false teaching. Amen, Brother David. Amen. Yep. Go ahead. Just being a white Israelite isn't enough, is it? I mean, you qualify, but you've got to repent and of your sins and then turn from your sins and be filled with the Spirit of God. Many are called, folks, but you're chosen. Go ahead, Brother David. Romans 8.15 For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Amen. That's one of the great... I love that verse. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That Holy Spirit, folks, within you is something so precious. It's the comforter, okay? John 16, John 14, all right? The Lord said, if I don't go away, I won't, I won't, the, the comforter will not come. And it's the comforter that gets you through some of these tight situations when the, the demons come in and say, ah, you can't be a Christian. You, there's no way. Well, uh, according to the book, you, you, you've got the book. And the Spirit of God is all you need. That's what living by faith is all about, folks. It's by faith. It's trusting in the Savior and the book. You mess with the book, you don't have nothing to trust. If it's full of errors, you're full of errors. You don't know what to believe. Joe Blow might be right. You may be wrong. All right? His book may be right. Yours may be wrong. Yours may be right. His may. You see what I mean, folks? I hate to beat a dead horse, but if you don't ever, if you don't ever get anything else, 
Get that. And some of you folks need to start over again in your belief and understanding of that one principle. Babylon loves confusion. You did know that's what it means, didn't you? Guess what? Everybody having a different opinion and a different set of words to read, guess what that is? That is confusion. And God is not the author of confusion. Amen. Did a child can understand this, folks. And only by pride cometh contention. See what I mean, Jelly Bean? Verse 16, brother. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. All right, watch it coming up now. Watch this verse 17 coming up. And if children, comma, then heirs. Comma, comma. Yes. Then heirs. Let's watch the what comes up here. Go ahead. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Condition, condition, got nothing to do with your skin. It's got to do with what I've been spitting at you for two years. Go ahead, brother. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Remember what it said in Second Timothy, if we suffer, we shall reign with him. Condition, condition, condition. I got a brother, not going to call no names, bless his heart. He and I talk a little bit about some of this stuff that we have to go through. And I, I've, I've watched him grow over the last eight months, leaps and bounds in the Lord. And I praise God. To be, yeah, folks, you don't understand. Being a teacher and a preacher, that's what, that's what keeps us going. A real teacher and preacher, that's what keeps, is seeing people that you teach grow in the Lord and see that what you're doing is not in vain and watching them grow. All right? That's the biggest blessing in the world. To me, it is. It's, it's, I could just shout sometimes. Just seeing little words that wasn't used six or eight months ago and seeing the steadfastness and faith that wasn't there months ago, it's a blessing, folks. And it's not somebody just saying what somebody else wants to hear. It ain't, it ain't even, it ain't nothing like that. But that's where I get my blessings. That's when sometimes I'll read an email and I'll jump up and run around the room. Yeah, I'm an idiot, aren't I? <laughs> oh, cares me. You know, holy roller spears. Yeah, that's me. Hey, ain't nobody sees me but the Lord because it's to him I give the praise to. Read verse 17 one more time, brother. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. 
Turn to Second Timothy chapter two, brother, and just give show you that I'm not some maybe somebody new in the chat room. Show you I'm not just pulling this out of context. But this is Paul, and we'll see what Paul says in Second Timothy two about the same stuff that I'm talking about. Come out of Babylon, folks. Can can I ask a question about the suffer here? Um, now. The context of the suffering. What type of suffering? Because you know, in the Catholic Church, there's a lot of brother. That's absolutely segment that's crazy. Where you know, like you see them marching on uh, Easter time or, or just before it, and they're whipping their backs and you know, bleeding all over the place as they march in procession, chanting some kind of strange hymns and and uh, you know, or taking a hammer to your fingers and like, yeah, well, that's going to be suffering, but. That's the perversion yes. of, the, of, of the topic. That's the perversion. I'll give you a good yes. example. A Divorce. good example of, yes. Divorce. Sickness. The mm-hmm. things the Lord puts in your life. If you are a child of God, ye will be put to the test. There will okay, be Don. things come up in your life. But, you know, like, sometimes, you know, I can see I've suffered a lot in my life, but... I've always written it off to my own foolishness. He'll take and your own foolishness and use it for his <laughs> glory, brother. And okay. that doesn't mean you're supposed to go out and do it on purpose, okay? Yeah, yes. Let me give you an example. Look at David. Mm-hmm. David commits adultery. What does the Lord do? Kills one of his sons. Okay, the woman he committed mm-hmm. adultery with, Bathsheba, winds up having Solomon who is in yes. the line of Jesus Christ, okay? Yes. I can. You can go through, sometime we'll do a character study on a lot of the Old Testament patriarchs, and um, I'll, I'll, bring, I'll show you some of that stuff. There's Jephthah, there's Samson, who wasn't nothing but a womanizing drunk all of his life, you know, till right there at the end, and then there, he, he killed more people in his death than he did in yes. his life, and he's in Hebrews chapter 11. As a matter of fact, you go back to Hebrews, go over to Hebrews 11 and look at all those people and go back and look at their character. You can see their suffering and what they did and how the Lord got glory out of it. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, yes. This suffering, yes. folks, don't get me wrong. You don't look for it. It will find you. If so, be the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. I took you to Hebrews and showed you what it says in Hebrews 12. Whomsoever the Lord loveth, he chastens and scourges. Not just the ones that do wrong. Every son whom he receiveth. Folks, I can't emphasize that enough. Nobody gets out of the scourging and chastening. And if you want to do it, if you're so big on the uh, Greek, go check out chastening and then check out scourging and see what the difference is. Now that's for that. There's two different types of punishment, and every single one that the Spirit of God dwells in is going to get it in the neck. You will be presented with the opportunity to suffer. For, I'm going to give you a good example. How many of you been on the streets talking about the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you ashamed? Huh? Are you ashamed? Have you suffered reproach for Christ's sake? And I'm not talking about the the white message. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about for your personal relationship with the one that died for you. Have you? 
That's a form of suffering. That's a form of suffering. How much mental anguish have you suffered for the cause of Christ? Folks, the opportunity, the problem is a lot of folks don't understand and they, let me say this, there's a lot of folks have the opportunity every day to do what Paul's talking about here. And you know what you'll do? You will shun it and make excuses for it. You will you will absolutely look for the path of least resistance so you don't have to do what Paul's talking about right here. And some of you folks right now, the Lord's bringing back something to your memory that you did. And it's just, it can be little bitty things. Folks, listen, for Brother David, his tolerance level to certain sufferings may be different than mine or yours. The Lord knows your heart. The motive for what, for wherein you do something, it's the motive. It's not the quantity of anything. It's the quality that you're judged for in 1 Corinthians 3 at the judgment seat of Christ. It's the quality, not the quantity. Paul makes that plain in 1 Corinthians 13. Though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. It's the motive, folks. The Lord knows just where to ring your bell. And you can make excuses for your kids, for your family, all you want to. Eternity's a long time. The thousand-year reign's a long time to be naked, to suffer loss, folks. Second Timothy 2, brother. Yes. Starting at verse 1. Yeah. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You folks, no think, man, that's a, you folks think that's a metaphor? Hmm? You think that's just a Greek idiom? You think that's some kind of idiom? Enduring hardness? What kind of hardness do you have? Huh? Did you miss a meal today? Burning up, temperature too hot for you, your air conditioner working. <laughs> Into your hardness is a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Go ahead, brother. Verse 4. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Come out from among them, people. Come out. From her, that ye be not partakers of her evil deeds. Come out of Babylon. Whether it's a physical place, whether it's a system, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, these things are of the world, folks. 
You write in the blank. You fill in the blank. If the Spirit of God dwells in you, you know where the problem is. Unless you have quenched the Spirit so many times that you couldn't hear the Holy Spirit if He sat down on a bench beside you and slapped you in the face. Then without God granting you repentance... That's later on down here in 2 Timothy 2. Are you caught up in the snare of the devil? He'll take you captive at his will. And unless God intervenes and grants you repentance, you're through. You're on the shelf. That's how deadly serious this stuff is. And nobody hardly talks about it anymore. It's not being preached. The righteousness is not coming forth from the pulpits. We've went from New Jerusalem to Babylon. Go ahead, brother. Brother David, go ahead. Verse 5. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully? The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord gives thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And here it comes. Watch it close. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also Live with him. That's what he just got through saying in Romans 8. Mortify your mortal bodies. Say no to the flesh. I've streamed it till slobber runs out the corners of my mouth. Find something you can deny yourself. Something that you love. Hey, folks, it's not about pleasure now. It's about self-denial now. Secular humanism teaches that the ultimate goal is the pleasure of man. Real spirituality, real Christianity, real Bible-believing Christianity teaches deny self to please the Lord. And And the end game of that is reward and inheritance for you. This 70 or three score and 10 or however long it is, You've been given a period of time and a brain to be able to read and the Spirit of God show you this stuff and you be able to apply it in your life. It is a faithful saying. No, it's not ambiguous at all. No, it's not Brother Don's opinion. No, it's not this. No, it's not that. It's the Word of God. Read verse 11 again, brother. Okay. Verse 11. It is a faithful saying, 
For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Watch verse 12. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. That's an inheritance, folks. That's an inheritance. If we suffer, we will reign with him. What did Paul say right back in Romans 8? If so be, condition. And those little things, folks, it's those little things that come up in your life. It's the stuff you don't like Brother Don talking about. That rubs you the wrong way. Because I've always believed this. I've always liked this. It's not what you like, folks. It's what God says. He that is last, first shall be last, and last shall be first. It's not just old Pauline doctrine. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Let a man take up his cross and follow me. Do you know what a cross is, folks? Have you looked for the cross to take up? You don't be, don't be, listen, if this is new to you, I'm not telling you to be an idiot and a fool and go, I'm going to do, quit all this, I'm going to, that's not what I'm saying. You find a, See, if this is new and you're just now understanding this, start out with little steps. Get victory over certain things and then let it grow and grow and grow. Well, how in the world could do denying now do anything for the future? Because that's what the Lord says. I didn't write the book. I wouldn't have wrote it like this. This is the way you know it's written by God himself and the Spirit of God backs it up. It's contrary to your flesh. It's contrary to what you like. It's contrary to what your kids like. It's contrary to what your wife likes. That's because at the end of the three score and ten, folks, eternity is a long, long time. If you don't look at things on the eternal basis, you'll never get it. You've got to have that that furthest look ahead, okay? You've got to take that into consideration or else you're just here, folks. You're just here to be fat, happy, and have a good time. And what's it all about then, huh? What is it all about? Is it just for you to lay up um, money for the kids? Is that what it's about? Is it just about your next good time? Is that what it's about? Turn to First Peter, brother, chapter four. Okay. Okay. 
First Peter chapter 4, just starting verse 1. This is an outstanding chapter on what we're talking about right now. Come out of Babylon, folks. You're Babylon. You know the Spirit of God's talking to you right now about certain things in your life. You can do something about it. What have you ever done for Christ? What have you ever denied yourself and done for Him? Huh? Some of you, you have to twist, you just keep ranting and spitting and screaming to get you to read two or three chapters of the book a day. Some of you spend hours reading some worldly trash when you ought to be spending hours reading the book so God could talk to you because this is the way He talks to you now, through His Word. You start hearing audible voices, you might ought to check, you might ought to uh, check yourself, all right? Start reading verse 1, brother. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise stop right with there. the same stop, mind. Stop, stop right there. You see what I'm saying, folks? You think I'm making this stuff up? For as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, comma, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You think I was making this stuff up? Continue, brother. Verse 2. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men. Stop. But you, to see the what, will. You, you see what he's saying? You see what he's saying? That you should no more live for the lust of men to lust of what you like, what you want to do, how comfortable you are, but to the will of God. This is Peter talking. This ain't old Paul. Remember what Paul says, Romans 12? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. There's that living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Come out of Babylon. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what? What is that good and perfect? Acceptable will of God. What does it say here in verse 2? But to the will of God. By arming yourself with the same mind as Christ has suffered for us, let us arm ourselves with the same mind. Verse 3, brother. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. Wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. You see, folks, let me show you how to do this. Do you you partake in any of this stuff in verse 3? You're supposed to be changed. You're supposed to be, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. See these, what it says down They think strange of you because you don't do the same things you used to do. 
There has to be a change, folks. Something has to be changed. I didn't say it was a big whitewash all at one time. Some some people it is. Some it's a little bit at the time. Some trees grow faster than others. Pine trees grow quick. Oak trees take a long time to grow, folks. It's individual. It's different for some people than it is for others. Continue reading, brother. Verse 5. Who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitudes of sin. Amen. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Folks, you can't speak the oracles of God if you don't know the oracles of God. And if you don't have the oracles of God, you don't stand a chance in speaking the oracles of God. And if you don't spend time in those oracles and learn it, how are you going to speak as the oracles of God? Rhetorical question, you're not. He's lost as a golf ball in high weeds. Go read your Sports Illustrated. Go read. I'm not saying it's wrong to read other stuff. I'm not saying that, folks. Moderation. You've got to put your priorities right. Whom you love, you will serve. If you love the flesh, you'll serve the flesh. If you love God, you'll deny the flesh in there. Folks, I'm telling you, this is new covenant doctrine. And it used to be screamed from the pulpits. It's not anymore. Now look around you. You're in Babylon. We're in Babylon as a people. Every white Christian nation has sold out to the flesh, so to speak. Has sold out to Babylon. It's about your pleasure. It's about your prosperity. It's about what you like. And what you like this. I like that. Well, I disagree with that. It ain't about your opinion. It's about what God says and what God thinks. To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. James, 5, James chapter 5, verse 17. The thought of foolishness is sin. Okay? Not just, oh, transgressions love sin. I hear that you so much. The plowing of the wicked is sin. Whatsoever not of faith is sin. You want me to go on? Because sin 
dwells in your mortal body. It is a condition that Father Adam got us in. And once that new man is rebirthed, renewed, the Spirit of God is renewed, that's that constant battle that goes on between the old man and the new man. It's a battlefield, brethren, sisters. It's not a recreation game. The more you deny the old man, the stronger the new man becomes. How do you feed the new man? By being charitable, by input of the Word of God, by the fruits of the Spirit, long-suffering, peace, joy. Continue reading, brother. Let him do it as of the ability... Okay, let me start again. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister... Let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. And I just had to say something about that. Ministering, and you know, like I, I can hear some people saying, you know, I don't want to listen to that Don Spears. He, he, he like, you know, preaches too long. He goes on and on. <laughs> he repeats himself and does all. Yeah, yeah. But you know what they'll do? They'll go off and they'll listen to these guys who are like pontificating their own thoughts and stuff that they've managed to ascribe or, you know, some kind of mastering of so-called mastering of Hebrew and Greek and different thoughts that they've parsed together from different preachers that they've listened to over their lives. And they come together with this message that they think is real slick and really isn't all that slick at all. It's just some humanism, some mortal man's thoughts. And there's no conviction, there's no comforting, there's no, no exhortation, there's no conviction of the Holy Ghost power. There's a total difference when you listen to a minister who's preaching by the ability of what God giveth than just a man who's preaching his own mortal mind, as good or as poor as that may be, there is a total world of difference. And if you're going to sit and listen to a man who's just saying things from his own mind, some of them may be good, okay, the odd one, why waste your time? Maybe he only preaches for an hour, so what? Why listen for an hour to a bunch of stuff that 90% is trash? If you just sat around and thought, you'd probably do the same, come up with the same ideas yourself. Why not listen to the Holy Ghost speak to you, even if it's two or three hours? Isn't that a glory, to have the Holy Ghost minister to you for two or three hours at a time? My God, we live for that. Amen, brother. It's flesh pandering is what it is. It's, 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 fair, it's good words and fair speeches that deceive the hearts of the simple. Amen. It's called ear-tickling in Second Timothy, brother, it, chapter 3. Ear-tickling. Teachers having itching ears, okay? That's all it is. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And you're talking about the length of time. Um, just just for the heck of it. Well, now go ahead and read verse, read verse 12, and then we'll go. I'll show you folks where I've patterned myself after, okay? Now, you can take it up with the Lord 
after we go and find out what I show you what I'm talking about. All right, and I don't care how short your attention span is. I don't have to give an account for you. I have to give an account for myself. Let that's what I have to give an account for. All right, and I've patterned myself after one of the long-windedest preachers that that probably ever walked. All right. And, of course, you know who that is. But did you know the scripture backs it up? Go ahead, brother. Verse 12. Verse Peter 4.12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Verse 13. Okay. Oh, I thought you wanted me to stop at 12. No, that's but okay. It's just, I will make a comment. Beloved, you know, don't think it's strange concerning those things that come. They're going to come. Brother, you know you know who I'm talking to, brother. I'm not going to call I'm not gonna call you out by name, but we had a little rejoicing about this stuff in the last couple of days. Amen. But rejoice about these strange things that happen. It, it don't make any sense to us in the flesh. The Lord knows what's going on. Even though it's pain and suffering that comes along with it, we're supposed to, verse 13, but rejoice. Why should we rejoice? Read verse 13, brother. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. See what I mean? It's about Jesus. This three score and ten, it's supposed to be about Jesus. That you're partakers of Christ's suffering. See what I mean? Turn to Acts 20, brother. Yep. And we'll close with this. Acts chapter 20. Yes. And just start I know reading. exactly where we're going. Start chapter 20. Just go ahead and start reading, brother. Okay. This is this is where this is this is coming from the word of God, folks. This is what you know, when he said five times to be ye a follower of him, I took him literal. All right. If you want to blame it on anybody, blame it on the Holy Spirit for putting it five times in the epistles, all right? And that's one of the reasons that I am the way I am. All right. Whether you like it or not, that's immaterial. I've got to answer to the Lord for what I do. Go ahead, brother. It's only the flesh that doesn't like it, right? Amen, brother. It's the flesh can't stand it because we are, we have gotten to the point where we where we lean so much to our own, lean so much to our own pleasure, our own likes. Like I've been saying the whole night, it's not about our likes, folks. Till you start understanding, my God, I think I'm talking to kids sometimes, and I, to, I'm speaking to my own self too, folks. By the way, I preach to my own self. I get my own self under conviction saying this because I know it's true. I have to fight this stuff every day myself. Sometimes I win the battles. The Lord wins it. Sometimes I fail. But it's a battle. You don't win every battle. But you've got to get up and stay on the course. It's a marathon, folks. It's not a sprint. Go ahead, brother. Kick it off. Acts 20, verse 1. And after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into Macedonia. And when he had gone over those parts and had given them much exhortation, he came into Greece and there abode three months. 
And when the Jews laid wait for him, as he was about to sail into Syria, he purposed to return through Macedonia, and there accompanied him into Asia, Sopater of Berea, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus, and Secundus, and Gaius of Derb, and Timotheus, and of Asia, Tychidix, and Trophimus. These going before tarried for us at Troas, and we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and came unto them to Troas in five days, where we abode seven days. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. <laughs> this is this is a service, folks. This is an assembly. They broke bread, and Paul's preaching. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> and you know they they would meet probably in the day, like in the morning, or right. So mm-hmm. this guy was preaching until midnight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about a twelve-hour preach? <laughs> Go ahead, brother. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again, and had broken bread and eaten, and talked a long while, even till break of day, so he departed. (laughs) Go ahead, brother. Near 24 hours. Yeah. And they brought the young man alive, and were not a little comforted. And we went before to, sh- to ship and sailed unto Assos, there intending to take in Paul, for so had he appointed, minding himself to go afoot. That's, that's good enough, brother. Anyway, folks, take Babylon any way you want to take it. You want to take it the prophetical way, all right, and spend all your time thinking about the, pro- the prophecy part of it, who it is, where it's at, all that stuff. Or you want to spend time coming out of her? We once, we once was a righteous nation. Every white Christian Israelite nation once put forth the word of God. Great preachers out of all the white Christian nations. And now they've gone to Babylon. There is no flames of righteousness spewing forth from the pulpits anymore. It's all about political correctness and afraid they might go to jail. Any of y'all ever read the story of John Bunyan? Pilgrim's Progress? Yeah, but that was then. See, folks, you see what I mean? Jelly bean. You see what I mean? That was then, yeah. That was then. Well, what about now? 
Folks, the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. And that thousand mile journey in your life, that journey of self-denial, that journey of wrecking yourself dead unto sin but alive unto Christ, that thousand mile journey of presenting your body a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service, that thousand mile journey of be not conformed to this world, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You just take one of them. Take, let's just take one, the lust of the eyes. Do you think that stinking boob keeps got anything on there that glorifies God? Oh, yeah, but I watch Christians. Oh, come on, give me a break, folks. You can't fool the Spirit of God, and you can't fool our Heavenly Father. How about the lust of the flesh? You get three squares a day, right? If you if you're hungry, the only reason you're hungry is because you're doing it by choice. It sure ain't because you can't find nobody that'll help you out. Like I said, anybody's hungry, let me know. I'll handle that, best of my ability. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Ain't nobody going to tell me nothing. No, you're a Bible scholar, aren't you? You got it. I, you, you, you know this book from cover to cover, don't you? Hmm? Yeah. We're students of the book. And the more we study, the more the Holy Spirit shows us, convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. That's what he was sent for. Why would anybody want to spend all their time having their flesh padded? That soothing, stroking good words and fair speeches. That ear-tickling stuff. Oh, ain't that interesting? I wrote this before the foundation of Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've had to spend together, Father. I pray that you'd take the words that's been said tonight in some way. Use them for your honor and glory, Father. These are your people. These are the ones you came and died for, Father. I pray that the Spirit would comfort where there needs to be comfort. The ones that's hurting, Father, the ones that's in pain, the ones that's suffering in ways that I have no idea about, Father. May the Holy Spirit be a comfort to them where comfort is due. May he rebuke where rebuking is due. May the exhortation come from the Spirit, Father, because we're just vessels. We're just vessels for you, Father. But I pray that you'd go with each and every one tonight, Father. You know the need that needs to be met, Father. I don't know those needs. All I can do is pray a general prayer. But I pray that you'd answer those needs. Because you promised. You promised you'd supply all our need according to your riches in glory, Father. And if we trust by faith that you will, you will. For without faith, it's impossible to please you, Father. It's impossible. No matter what we do, no matter how squeaky clean we are, 
no matter what, how much charity we have, no matter what we love the brother, no matter what, that book is plain. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, 6. Hope to see you soon, Lord Jesus. Meet back with us this coming Sunday night as we go into Mark chapter 14. We'll give you all the honor and the praise for everything you do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and for his sake alone. Amen and amen. amen. God bless each and every one of you, and we will see you, Lord willing, Sunday night. Brother David, good night, good night, brother. Thank you. Good job. Appreciate it very much, brother. God bless each and every one of you folks. Good night. Good job, boy.